Whatever Wednesday, welcome. Andre Beck, how are you after all the Sunday brutality? Oh, doing all right, bro. It wasn't just Sunday, man. We have Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, bro, double do you, Sunday. Do you even Protestant? <laughs> no, bro. I'm Lutheran Baptist. Lutheran Baptist. Now, tell me why you were so depressed at Lutheran theology the other day. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I got pretty big news, bro. What? That I'm actually going full on Lutheran. There's a there's a Lutheran evangelical Lutheran network here in Ipswich. Oh, yeah? And I've been chatting to some of the guys, and I'm full-on doing it, bro, crossing over. I'm into it now, bro, full-on. Consubstantiation, like it's fun, right? Yeah, he's, all, he's all, around the, all around the bread. That's awesome. Well, we need a Lutheran on the podcast, you know? We were shooting for, for Jordan, <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, you, can, you can fill that gap, you know? <laughs> you might just no, have just to... Messing with you, bro. I, I go no. I honestly looked into it. Like I, I honestly have been looking into Lutheranism, and it's just like so disappointing. Yeah, like tell me what you were thinking there. You mentioned that the other day. Well, no, just just because like I'm picking up a strong law gospel distinction vibe in Lutheranism. Yeah, so like there's and that. I basically feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I just felt like and there's a, there's a great new book coming out, which is called The Essential Ford. And it's all about the law gospel distinction Lutheranism. Okay. It isn't out yet though, so okay. yeah. uh, I haven't had a chance to read it. And I've been, I've been, um, I've been keen to explore that and just to get into that because I kind of feel like um, the kind of Horton law gospel distinction vibe has been good, but when you look at some of the more classical, like Westminster Philadelphia guys, I don't get the same vibe at all. Mm. And um, and so, you know, there's been a bit of that. And just thinking about all this covenant theology stuff and just thinking about, um, you know, whether or not there's, there's I should be looking into Lutheran stuff more. Like maybe there's more to, yep. to learn from that. Because I've I never really same read journey. Lutheran same guys. Journey. Yeah, totally. I, I, I've been, you know, I, I always read Reform guys. And I just thought maybe totally. I need to start drinking from the Lutheran well. Yeah. But when I started to get into it, it's just like, like they, they do have this law gospel distinction, but, but because they have no covenant theology, it doesn't it doesn't come out no. in it just sort of comes out in a weird, weird, weird way. A very weird so way. like you don't Yeah. So like there's no like you if there's no covenant of works, covenant of grace thing, like because my whole thing is the thing that's really lacking is a clear distinction between covenants that are works oriented and covenants that are grace oriented, uh-huh. right? In in the whole classic Westminster covenant theology vibe. Yeah. You know. That's been the thing that's been annoying me. The mm. way everybody deals with uh, the Mosaic Covenant and the way everybody deals with the Abrahamic Covenant. Mm-hmm. Those two things bother me. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> um, yeah, but because Lutheranism just operates on a different thing, it just, it just, like it is law gospel distinction, but it's, it's different. It's weird. It's not, I don't know, it's hard to explain. But then also it's like three-point Calvinism. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm not into that. Uh, no, no, that's like, just like, next level. Like, yeah, I mean, just well, like like limited atonement is a rock solid thing for me, you know. Yeah, and I just I don't want to go anywhere near a movement that is taking away from that. And the fact that they mess with perseverance of the saints as well. Just, yeah, well, it's all the, the the essentially. I mean, just they they wanted to retain a lot of the Catholic stuff. You know, you just don't realize that sometimes. But I mean, yeah. it, it stays there in that system, doesn't it? 
Mm. I mean, big time. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like halfway on Minion. You know? Yeah. It's, um, I was really shocked by that because I remember, you know, I, mean, I think you start reading articles, especially online, you know, about Reformed theology and Calvinism and, you know, especially with Sproul with his uh, sort of big play on, on Luther and the Reformation and, you know, it's synergism, monergism and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and then you like actually get into Lutheranism and you're like, wow, that's a bit of an anticlimax right there. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was a huge, I guess, do you know, I don't know if you ever get this feeling, but I kind of get this feeling like, like, you know, do you remember like podcast number one, mm-hmm. right? I think it was the first podcast. I'm not sure. One of the first ones we did together okay. where you were talking about how white English speaking South Africans basically mm-hmm. have no sense of identity. Right. I feel like in the theological world, I'm a white English speaking South African. Right. In the theological I mean? world. Yeah. As a Lutheran like, Baptist. I just don't feel, I don't, well, yeah, exactly. I don't feel like I have like a proper tradition. Like I don't really fit anywhere. I don't fit with the Presbyterians. Ah, uh, that's what you're saying. I don't really fit into the 1689 federalism stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, no. I don't on. really fit with Lutherans and I don't really fit with the, with the, you know, the, um, uh, Oh no, the other dudes. So you know, like, bro, I'm, I'm just like I'm searching for a home. You know, <laughs> I just want a theological tradition to call my own. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you got to give up on that at some level. I mean, we talk about it often on the ep- on the various episodes, and that you get people that are historically driven. You know, in that they do they do care a lot about that. They just that's almost the only thing they care about, just to find themselves a, an identity within the reformed world or whatever world. And, uh, you know, they'll bend over backwards to do it and spend all their time there. And it's ultimately it's going to impede on exegesis. That's the one thing it's going to do. You know, as much as it's going to help yeah. to stand on the shoulders of, of those who have gone before, to be roped in by certain things is just going to not be good. Um, you've got to – I think the way to do it is to embrace the, the you know, the essence of those – parts of agreement in the mainstream of the tradition. So like, I mean, where you do fit, I mean, and this is true as, as it is for me, is in that general stream of reformed tradition as made known by the confessions, you know? And, and what we're saying in that yeah. is not that we're full subscriptionist on every jot and tittle, you know, uh, whether it be on the infant Baptist thing or something else, but uh, rather that, you know, in general, the tenor is right. Like even on the covenant theology, the fact that the Bible does have a covenantal hermeneutic is what we're saying is mm. correctly identified in those confessions. Um, and, you know, the fact that it does, broadly speaking, you know, have a covenant of works and a covenant of grace. The rest is like detail, you know, uh, within that greater stream. So it's actually kind of, I, f- I find this this debate more to lie in the issue of whether you feel it's necessary to be a full subscriptionist or a partial subscriptionist. And I think uh, in many ways, in many ways, I've never really seen... Like there's a there's a bonus that comes with full subscriptionist, um, in that you you sort of you're able to you've landed on all the hard edges of the confession. That's fine. You've totally brought bought in, and so you know from that basis you can you can make some advances on some serious reform dogmatics. You know you can actually mm-hmm. push ahead without having to uh, squabble about the, ba- the basics, but. Usually, it ends up eating itself up alive. You know that that's that's all I've ever seen come from that. When you go full subscriptionist, you know everyone's so pedantic on these ridiculous little points 
that and can't retain unity. You know, that's the problem. It's fine to be uh, in debate about smaller points, but you've got to be able to just take a breath, step back, and go, "Hey, let's all love each other at the end of this." You know, and I feel like yeah. that that get lo- that gets lost. And then, of course, like if you've got things like um, you know, Gerhardus Fuss coming along. He forever changed the landscape of Reformed theology, whether they like it or not. You know, no one, right. no one could view the covenants in the same way again, and rightly so. Rightly so. You know, there was a lack of historical sensitivity. You know, to to the redemptive mm-hmm. outworkings of, of of Scripture, and so I mean, you know, for for both traditions, they had to modify so many points and. And so bottom line, I'm saying like, even if you're the most hardcore, I've been down this road, you know, let's put it that way. And even if you're the most hardcore, full subscriptionist and you buy in and you decide to buy in, all you're going to get left with is which version of that total buy-in, you know? Um, Let's say you're a total Westminster guy, 100%, you know, buy in every jot and tittle. Then you've got about, I don't know, what, like five major strands within that Westminster total buy-in tradition that all hate each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, because, but I, I do, I thought, I guess I've kind of envied, you know, like I was listening to um, a lecture the other day on the dangers of federal visionism in the Presbyterian Church. And it was a, it was a, uh, I think it was a PCA mm-hmm. um lecture and they were basically saying how you, we have to deal with this and we have to basically say this is not allowed mm-hmm. in the denomination like can't tolerate it mm-hmm. and it was all kind of arguing based on the Westminster you know mm-hmm. like uh, this is not not confessional it's mm-hmm. not it's not what we believe mm-hmm. and I kind of I looked at him with this kind of sense of envy of like the simplicity of it like he's just totally content to argue that with the Westminster like it's the legal document that defines all all um, right. theological problems. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, I just don't have that because I've always had at least like three or four problems with every major confession. Mm. You know, but so but like you do in the sense that... It's never been an issue for me. But you do in the sense that you, um, you have the confessional stream as a tradition. Um, yeah, so, so like so, a stand in the tradition of the... So where that simplicity would apply, and I think legitimately so, is that, and well, and and I suppose the thing about that situation that you just mentioned is that that turns around ecclesiological governance, which is, you know, something that adds a degree of of both complexity and simplicity in terms of working things out. But yeah, I think what we're talking more more is, uh, you know, as Baptists, number one, we're just never going to have that... um, you know, blue book of, of church order that's, uh, f- you know, as filled with red tape as it is with confession uh, and its identity. And, and the reality is like, so we're, we're working this out as, a, as, you know, individuals. And so a problem comes along, a theological issue develops. I mean, I think both mm-hmm. of us do say, you know, we are content to let uh, on the major points the confessions rule the day, not because they are more authoritative than scripture, but because they collectively, uh, and, and you know, we're even going past the one assembly now, you know, we're saying collectively, um, mm-hmm. they, they show us uh, an immensity of, of tradition and scholarship and, you know, far greater wisdom than we could ever have on our own on the points that they all agree, at least, you know, 
Um, and and so, you know, to let that be the end of the matter is a wise thing, I think, you know, that, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be unwise, though, and as much simplicity as it supposedly yields, which I don't think it does, actually, I think it'd be unwise to let the squabbling, disagreeing points of the confession be the do-all and end-all of a matter. Um, you know, I mean, like, take the Sabbath is often the thing that comes up, you know. Yeah. In, um, yep. in uh, let's say you've got total buy-in from full subscriptionists. Yeah. Um, you know, the Sabbath still comes up as an issue of contention. Um, and partly because you've got a continental tradition versus a Scottish Puritan tradition coming through there mm-hmm. and uh, lawn mm-hmm. bowling on, on the Sabbath, like uh, a la John mm-hmm. Kelvin, you know, versus total abstinence from any worldly activity, you know, a la John Knox. And, um, and you know, that's in the mainstream of the reform condri- uh, condition. So there, I think, when that sort of thing happens, uh, you'd be wise just to step back and go, hang on, what just happened there? You know, um, yeah, you know, to just buy into one or the other. I mean, fine, do it if you've got the biblical conviction, no problem. But make sure it's a biblical conviction that's guiding you there, not just some random uh, confessional identity thing. Um, I don't know. No, that that would be my thing, big time. And I feel like that's a safe, wise approach. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think it is also because I've been uh, doing a lot of thinking about the boundaries of evangelicalism, mm-hmm. and you know, how far do you go to when you call someone an evangelical, and mm. how significant is that? Mm-hmm. And I guess what's come out of my thinking on that is it's just become absolutely clear that whereas most of my Christian life I've identified as an evangelical, mm-hmm. you know, almost primarily, like that's my theological identity. Yeah. I'm, I'm an evangelical and that's my sense of kind of, but actually the more, the more, I'm, the, more the term evangelical develops, Mm-hmm. and loosens the more you realize it's just inadequate for a mm-hmm. sense of identity mm-hmm. you know it just like isn't good enough mm. and so local churches can't you know you can't just call yourself evangelical mm-hmm. as your main sense of identity yeah, it doesn't th- help that would be non-descript yeah totally yeah yeah and it's but i'm beginning to feel it mm-hmm. individually as well like mm-hmm. i'm beginning to feel like that's just not a good place to have my identity and yeah. because it just it's it's almost meaningless in you know in some circles and so um whereas when i was like training to be ordained as a presbyterian minister mm-hmm. evangelical was huge for me because it meant not liberal yes. basically yes you know but it just doesn't mean that anymore you totally. know like you've lots of evangelicals are just as liberal as the old liberals and so um yeah this kind of gresham mason versus the liberal wings of protestantism mm that sort of divide mm-hmm. it just it's not so clear anymore with mm-hmm. the term evangelical so mm-hmm. i don't you know it's kind of like it's kind of like i guess partly feeling a need to replace that like what am i now yeah you know if evangelical isn't isn't the main label i use for myself what is it mm-hmm. and then it is bizarre i guess the need for labels in the first place but I, but i guess there is something from time to time that i do kind of feel like a, a yearning to be part of something historical. Oh, totally. And, yeah. you know, and that, that kind of, it like, yeah. And, and to be part of something that has kind of like a sacred tradition, but um, yeah, it, you know, cause, but then I also feel that uh, it quite enjoy the freedom yeah. 
yeah. to kind of to carve out my own nuances and things. Mm-hmm. But just it, it, it kind of feels a little bit more risky and a mm-hmm. little bit less safe and there's yes. less kind of fellowship in it. So like it feels like you're treading water on your own out totally. in deep waters by yourself. You know, it's just a safety in numbers kind of thing. And so you, you just I guess it's human instinct to look for a to look for a herd, you know. Totally. Well, I do love like I really just hearing you talk like that. I mean, one of my favorite things. It's it's like I am just totally Reformed Baptist in that sense, and just you know I love being part of that that group, um, even on because I have a few different areas that I, I like to carve some nuance out, you know, <laughs> and um, and I love the sense of accountability that that they hold me to, you know, um, even even just the general disagreement. I know where the frown is, I know where the, and it it gives me a very <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just feels like okay, if you're gonna make a decision that's different from a confessional norm, which in an, in and of its own, as you just said, has this rich historical connection all throughout, um, you know, certainly the Reformation, but really even prior to that. Um, yeah, you stand in that, in that tradition. Are you sure that you want to put your foot out this way? It just p- provides that ex- extra, uh, you know, gravitas on, onto that decision. And, um, yeah. and, you know, if, and you'll get a lot of flack for it and you'll get a lot of pushback. It's almost like having everything you say peer-reviewed in in light of a particular, you know, uh, context and reformed tradition, which is, you know, that much more helpful sometimes. But, um, you know, one of the things I, I've seen and one of the things I definitely want to stay away from in the reformed tradition is um, seeing how they don't want to call themselves evangelical. They actually you know, spurn the label. They don't, they want to think of themselves as reformed, not evangelical. And I think, you know, certainly as a reformed Baptist that I live in that middle world and I like that. Um, I, mm-hmm. I want both of those because, yeah, I mean, what they, you know, when they, they, they're not so much having the problem with scripture there, but the actual, um, they're having a, a problem with the need to preach the gospel and be saved and profess faith and all those things that evangelicals sort of, uh, hold dear with a you know as just part of the ethos, um, and yeah they they don't like it they they want to bring the whole high church slash um, you know uh, covenantal model of scripture um, uh, at least of the Old Testament um, into the new to the point that you know none of those basic evangelical truths even matter. And yeah, I think that's too deep. I think they need to pull back. You know, that's crazy. So yeah, one of the things I really love about the Reformed Baptist tradition, in particular, and this is a, this applies. I've seen the great spectrum uh, in that regard, and uh, I've seen the very, very, very tidy whitey Reformed Baptists. You know, the guys who are honestly just you know you say one wrong thing and uh, they are they are taking action against you. <laughs> You know, like formally, <laughs> yeah. by way of theological yeah. treaties, you know, and uh, <laughs> and you know, it's it's awesome and it's just crazy at some level, but um, but the the great thing about it is even at that level, there's never a sense of detachment from the broader. I, I've never felt it personally. Never, never a sense of detachment from the broader evangelical world. You know, which which I treasure. Right. I yeah. think that's great. You know, they they can they're speaking a language that can still be identified by evangelicals, and even though you know it's a thoroughly reformed language, you know that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't you you fit no, in the 1689 category? Surely. Well, I, no, have I you got consubstantiation? Just... just level with me. <laughs> Jesus no, in the sponge. I'm getting more and more sacramental. Definitely. All right. All right. Sacramental is good. I like, I like sacramental. 
not consubstantiation. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I think sacramental is good. I, and I, um, I think that, um, yeah, so I, I, I don't even know because apparently, like, it's a slight misnomer uh, that Lutherans aren't into consubstantiation. That's. Um, oh, is that right? Something I recently. Yeah, well, I think Jordan. Okay. What's his name? Jordan Peterson. Jordan somebody's. No, no, that's the big guy. Uh, Jordan Peterson. No, the other guy. The other guy, the Jordan Winston. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Cooper. I wonder if he gets that a lot. <laughs> it's like, maybe. No, maybe no. No, not that Jordan. I'm the other Jordan. I'm the Lutheran uh, yeah, Jordan. No, that Jordan. I think he, I think he said that um, it's a common misunderstanding that actually Luther yeah. was into it, but Lutheran's on. Well, that's why we need to get Jordan on the show. I'm, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, but. Yeah, so, but it's, I think, so it's like a combination of factors, right? It's mm-hmm. the thinking about the kind of, uh, the um, disintegration of the integrity of what it means to be an evangelical is mm-hmm. one thing that's freaking me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is realizing my view of covenant theology, as far as I know, has no historical precedent. Did you like... Did you hear my um, working hypothesis on 1689 federalism? Um, I, uh, have I? I think I, it sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't remember. I think I've cracked it. I think I've solved the problems of the universe. Okay. Yeah. Um, check that out. Because th- basically what I said there is just um, um, you know, we're, we're, we're basically saying exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Because what I realized is the actual Abrahamic, like what you view. Oh, I did listen to that. Yeah. So like if you unhinge the Abrahamic covenant and what we're going to doing with Galatians and stuff, you see that the, th- the light bulb moment came for me when I realized that that was not essential to the system anyway. That's a, that's a debate within the system one way or another. Um, and so really it's just down to, you know, whether you want to use the, the term administration or not. The other thing more technically, and, and uh, Brandon got back to me on this one promptly, um, to tell me that, um, you know, that the if, if we're distinguishing uh, the covenant of grace as a theological thing from the new covenant in any way, then we're not 1689 Federalists. But I would put that down to Brandon Adams' uh, opinion on things. Plus, I would just say, if that's true, then, uh, you know, I, why are they holding on to that expression? Just drop it. It's disingenuous. You know, I think if anything, allow for a little flex there and, you know, everyone's on the same page. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, essentially, I think that if you take, if you take the standard, if you take the standard reform view, right, mm-hmm. and you take away the internal, external mm-hmm. covenant, Covenant of Grace distinction. Okay. You mean only have external left? So you only have, you only have the Hang internal. on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about this on th- Theology Thursday. another one. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> How do you like that, <laughs> folks? Huh? Is that a cliffhanger or what? Woo-hoo-hoo. If you're into 1689 federalism, that's what we're talking about tomorrow. And maybe and something else, too. do not listen to the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Goodbye. <laughs>